When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I am Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamond. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you, Rob? I'm feeling really connected to my spirit animal. Which is what? A pig? Uh, no. Um, I think to be a bit clearer, I think I'm feeling quite connected to my fashion spirit animal. Ah, I see. Yes, because today's guest has been an inspiration to me for about a decade because I got heavily into drugs. Uh, fashion. No, oh, right. not drugs, babe. I mean, it's pr- <laughs> it probably was a kind of drug for a period of time, yeah, but yeah. Um, definitely not drugs, no. But um, I, I got heavily into fashion when I was in sort of in my late 20s and I used to love... Um, buying very extreme like prints and uh, brightly coloured clothes. And every time I would go out, people always used to say to me, oh my God, do you know Tim Blanks? Tim Blanks would love what you're wearing. And I think he's got the same shirt. So I started Googling this guy, Tim Blanks, and started to see that we literally owned all the same clothes. So I've always seen him (laughs) as this kind of like, this kind of like... uh, Competition. I'm connected to... No, not competition, Uh, actually. I just love him. Because there was no one else who seemed to wear like brightly coloured clothes, and he did, and I loved him. So um, I eventually got to meet him in the art world, um, which was amazing, through Studio Voltaire. And he loves art a lot, and... uh, yeah, so um, he was somebody that I really wanted to talk to on Talk Art, and so did you. So I'm really mm. excited about today. Yeah, I'm glad that quarantine has brought us all together. Yes, the lockdown. Well, welcome to Talk Art, Tim Blanks. Blanks. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Tim. How you doing? I'm good after that introduction. I'm excited too. <laughs> yes, yes. How are you? So, how are you filling your days at the moment? What What's the uh, What's happening for Tim Black? Um, I am. Um, I have work to do, which is good. I have uh, actually just been incredibly still. Um, we have a, you know, we we have a routine. We um, do the morning shop. We do the morning walk, and then um, have lunch, and I watch television and read, and watch more television, and do more reading, and that's it. Mm-hmm. I don't know it's how long you've got go work. On. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and work that's good. Yeah, that's good. And you get you got the routine. That's the thing to do. Isn't yes, it, I guess. Yes. yes. Yeah. The only thing yeah. I'm not very good at is the physical fitness. But um, my brother said to me that uh, people are going to come out of this um, either being excellent cooks or alcoholics, and either way, you're going to mm-hmm. be. Fat, Happy. so um, <laughs> you're gonna be fat either way, <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
That's true. I mean, I'm literally just like snacking at the fridge every like half an hour, like mints over there, crack it open, see what's what's going on. Come back. With I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm meant making, to be trying I'm, to do yoga, but oh. oh, I can't. I think I'm hypermobile. I don't think I can do yoga. It's my excuse. <laughs> I'm making so a Tim, rabbit even as we speak. Actually, oh gosh, well done. <laughs> it keeps well. Yeah, good, good. You freeze that. We were um we were baking last night with our friends. Uh, Russell watched us do it. Uh, what were we on? We were on house party. This this yeah. app. He didn't have the ingredients, but our group of friends, about seven of us, were all baking cakes. Not cakes. Uh, cookies. And mine literally came out like cardboard cakes. They're the worst thing <laughs> I've ever tasted. And it was the first time I've ever baked. And I'm officially terrible baker. But um, it was. Well, fun. it's your first attempt. It's fine. That's true. It's fine. I think baking is very ambitious. It is. Tim, people would know yeah. you as uh, a fashion critic. Would you say uh-huh. that was the right thing? Like, overall, if Ben Wams mentioned your name, they'd know you as someone who has been there for many years, watching all the best fashion shows around the world and critiquing them. Yes, I guess that's fair. I, I, I've always been a bit um, anxious about the, the word critic. I prefer, I, I prefer writer, I suppose, because I, I write about fashion from my own point of view and and if sometimes it, it's it gets critical i guess yeah i guess i do critique things but i'm i'm more i consider myself more a sort of amateur and enthusiast than a critic so um oh that's good like a fan uh, a fanboy yeah a fan a real fan i'm a huge fan of fashion um yeah I, I've, I always felt i was a little bit outside that world and i was you know, outside looking in, and I think that was a good perspective to have on it for as long as I've been doing it, um, yeah. decades. So yeah. uh, uh, I never, yeah, well, like, I, I, I kept me sane. You're from New Zealand, so I guess you're saying you're from the outside. I mean, how much of growing up in New Zealand did fashion make its way over to you there? Uh, not, not at all. Not the the very first thing that 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 had any suggestion of Paris. Um, about it was when our local department store, which was called Smith & Coe's, got um, Yves Saint Laurent ties for men. And, oh, wow. um, you know, when you saw the Yves Saint Laurent label, Paris, you know, you, that, 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 that was like that, that, that uh, obelisk in Eureka. 2001. Yeah, you would touch it and you'd feel a, a shiver <laughs> of, uh, of, um, of otherness. Then. But, but no, there was, there was no, absolutely no fashion to speak of. You know, local, obviously locally, I've always had this theory about people who who grew up in satellite countries, you know, that they would read about, avidly read about what was happening everywhere else in the world in magazines that took six months to to get to us. And Mm. you'd be reading about um, things going on at the factory or, you know, at the sombrero or whatever. And then you you and your friends would diligently try to recreate those scenes um, for yourselves Mm. using whatever resources you had. At hand, and, and often in, the t- in attempting to duplicate them, I found that when I finally got to see what all those things were like, we'd often exceeded them, you know, and we'd often done them better than, mm. than the originals, or so I thought. So that's very cool. So you mentioned the factory and the sombrero. What, what, what mm. is that? What were those influences on you? Can you explain a little bit more about well, what they the were? Well, the factory was, the factory was obviously, I mean, Andy Warhol, I think, was the first artist I was ever really aware of. And that was because my grandmother got Life magazine. And oh, he right. always seemed to be in Life magazine. And I remember there was a very famous, um, turned out to be very famous photo story, I guess, with him and Edie Sedgwick doing something. And she was, mm. I don't know who the photographer was. It might have been Bert Stern, actually. And, and she was 
standing on a Lalan rhinoceros or something. I think it was that. And, mm-hmm. and those photos, when you look at, I mean, I was, what, probably 10 or 11. And looking at those photos, you just thought, wow, who are these people? And, and I became completely obsessed with, um, with, with that. Sort of, life was the most amazing um, lifeline to the world. And, I mean, all sorts of amazing things that I learned about. But photos like that were uh, really, Gold really, dust. they really shaped my, 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 um, my sensibility when I was a kid. But the factory was where Andy Warhol's place was, yes, it? Where he, yes, where he in New York. What was the sombrero? The sombrero was a gay, a gay club, a gay disco in, um, in Kensington. And it was where um, uh, all, the, all the people that I was obsessed with, after I was obsessed with Andy Warhol, I got obsessed with, you know, Mark Baldwin and the Velvet Underground and David Bowie. And, and the sombrero seemed to be the kind of place where they would all end up. And it was kind of funny when I finally did come to London, when I finally made it to London, I really felt that I had seen God one night when I was at the Sombrero and Angie Bowie was dancing um, with a protege of Bowie's called Dana Gillespie. And they were having a good old um, gals workout on the dance floor together. And I thought, wow, you know, one of those moments where you think I've arrived. Wow. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, you, 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 if you don't aim high, you'll always be happy. <laughs> <laughs> and what was, your, what was your experience of art growing up in New Zealand? Did you study art or learn well, about I, art? I actually did go to art college, believe it or not. For, I in did New a, Zealand? I did a, yeah, I, did, I went to Elam Art School, mm-hmm. um, which was affiliated yeah. with the university. I did one, one, of my, one, one year when I was doing... Um, I did English and German and political studies, and I needed something a little more um, creative, uh, 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 whatever. What, what would you call it? A little more creative, um, like creative, the, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. So I did a, a course in art history, and um, that again, um, I <laughs> distinguished myself by stealing their copies of Interview from the library. Um, from the art, from the from the university library, which is I, I, I still have them, and I still feel I should. But the ones you stole, them. yeah, I feel I should return <laughs> them. Um, 1970, when would that have been? 1972, I guess. So, um, wow. yeah, it's terrible. I was I was such a thief. Um, <laughs> but no, I I mean art. What would have? Yeah, Warhol. I was I was really obsessed with music. Um, and and art art as it pertained to music. I mean, if Bowie did a song about Andy Warhol, well, you know, you could feel it all coming together in one mm. great big ball. But I, well, the Velvet I would, Underground uh, album cover that Warhol did with the banana sticker on. Did yes, you ever get access I, to that? I had that. I had the I had did the you? original. I had the first release of that album with the. Um, and somebody um, bloody well peeled the banana off one day, oh, and um, no. I was so. And then they they said, "Oh, sorry," and they tried to stick it back on, like it was all uh, torn, and you know. And so I got the anyway. That was a reason to end that friendship. But um, <laughs> that's I, a good uh, reason. Yeah, I yeah. I, but 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 Warhol, and then the movies. Obviously, um, I was obsessed with movies. So you know, there was that moment where everything was moving together, where art and music and movies and you'd go to fashion, you'd go yeah 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 and fashion too yeah which kind of you know when you saw blow up when you saw a movie like blow up 
or um, or all, all sorts of all sorts of strange movies where like or even something crazy like Smashing Time with Lynn Redgrave and, and Rita Tushingham. You, you you would be looking at movies and seeing seeing the London art world or whatever, and it all looks so impossibly fabulous from the other mm. side of the world. Um, so it was hard so to resist. Magazines seem like a massive, uh, have had a massive effect on your life and access to the world that you then projected yourself into. You're saying like mm-hmm. your granny's Time magazine and then find an interview magazine. That's been such a resource for you. Do you still find magazines like something that you look to as a, as a resource and as, as inspiring and as important? Uh, no. Oh. Um, there, there are magazines that I love, which um, I... Uh, and, then, and then I discover new magazines all the time. But, I mean, I was a serious magazine addict. It was, it was like a sickness. I, when I left New Zealand the first time to um, travel across the world, uh, 1974, I think it was, I actually, I had three suitcases and one of them was full of magazines. No and, way. Um, I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. I, I was just <laughs> the most <laughs> stupid but I couldn't leave them. They were like my, they were like the, my children. And yeah. I still have them all. It, it's it's, it's um, monstrous. I mean, my husband, Jeff, just is, he, he has nightmares that, that the room they're all in is going to spontaneously combust and burn us into the ground because <laughs> oh there is this, all this really old paper kind of drying and then? wrinkling. Oh, millions. I mean, you know, Idea Books and Dover Street Market. I think one day... You know, my, 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 my horror is that when I die, they'll all just be skipped. These things that have mm. traveled the world with me and that I've nurtured for years will just be skipped. And I, so I you have want to, to donate them to, them to someone, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I try. It sounds like a V&A no, exhibition. It should be like a Tim Blank's, <laughs> a Tim Blank's <laughs> magazine show. I would love You know, that. I tried to... I had, um, I had like a decade of French Vogues. I had the entire... Um, 1980s in French Vogue, actually. And I tried to give them to the, I, was, I lived in Toronto for 12 years, and I tried to give them to the local fashion college. And they said to me, uh, well, no, you, you'll have to bring them to us. We can't get them, we can't come pick them up. And I said, this is a truckload of stuff. Seriously, I'm not yeah. going to rent a truck to drop. So I, I just piled them all out on the street, and I went for a walk with the dogs. When I came home, there was a truckload filled with Japanese fashion students who were loading, loading them all into the back of the van. So they went to a good home. I could be oh, happy good, about good. that. Oh, good. I thought you meant they yeah. were just going to, people just picked them up off the street. No, I no, no they, they, I they think some of them, there must have been a Bush Telegraph that just let, that, that, you know, pile of French Vogue's outside such and such place. And that's a type of collection as well then for you. So you were like, you know, obsessively collecting these magazines. I mean, I remember yes. collecting records as well and like CDs and taking them oh, me around too. with my, me on travels. I would have like a, yeah. a whole like hand luggage full of plastic CD cases and CDs. Yeah. Know, it's like crazy, isn't it? When you think about the weight of stuff you're carrying around with you. But so, yeah, you obviously, you obviously have a kind of collecting bug for it yeah a hoarding a kind of hoarding mentality yeah are you like that with fashion no do you don't hang on to clothes and stuff like you're not you're not that as i no i i mean i i suppose i i don't throw stuff out as much as i should and and i mean my problem is that my shape changes like you know like the doughboy. Um, so, uh, if, if I, if I, I did have a period where I got quite, um, where I got quite a lot s- skinnier, 
than I am. And I did, I did start, I did kind of get into clothes for a while and I had shirts made and things. And now they're just like, oh dear, I mean, there's just a mountain of them that I will dispose of at some point. I do quite like coming back to sort of stretchy things and generous things and Japanese mm -hmm. designers are ex extremely um, timeless in that respect, mm -hmm. actually. So, you well, know, Chris, like coming... Kanzai, Yamamoto and uh, Comme de Gasson were your kind of first Japanese fashion loves, right? Yeah, probably. And Yoji, yeah, probably. Yeah, Yoji Kanzai Yamamoto. was Bowie. You know, that, that, I, I think David Bowie was an education for all his fans. I mean, anything mm. he read, I would read. Anything he wore, I would make an effort to not wear but find so, so I could look at it. Um, anything wow. he listened to, I would listen to. You know, he, I, I don't know if there, I don't know if there are people like that in pop culture anymore who have that kind of hold over their audience. But you know, Do you think I think he was I aware saw, of that. Yeah, I saw an interview with him once where he he was talking about Colin Wilson, how much he loved Colin Wilson's writing, and he said he felt like Colin Wilson was a medium between really arcane ideas and a mass audience. And he said that I feel I feel I'm a medium as well. I feel that even just him sitting there telling his audience about Colin Wilson, he was passing on, you know, he was quite diligent about passing on um, all the things that were influencing him. I know that made him seem incredibly pretentious to people who didn't like him particularly, but I always found it really um, inspiring, actually. So it's like that Bowie received wisdom, just went beyond. Yes. I heard you say before as well that Bowie, um, because he was constantly and very quickly moving from one look to another, that that kind of got you, your mind ticking in a, in a sense of what fashion could be or, or, you know, this idea of fashion being the new and the next. Yeah, well, that, he, but he was kind of, if you think about, that was during the 70s when he was really moving so quick, cycling so quickly through all those looks. And, and what was fashion and, you know, fashion in the seventies didn't really, I mean, there, there wasn't that sort of ready to wear thing that we talk about now. It, w it was haute couture um, and then it was clothes. And, mm -hmm. and I never thought of David Bowie as fashion particularly because, um, you know, I, I, he had clothes made for him by people like Kanzai Yamamoto, but it, they were, they were costumes for a persona. So, Right. I, I always sort of him as a perform as a you know he was more about performance and than sort of fashion and then mm. then later on what he wore became part of the iconography of fashion when mm. you know fashion when fashion sort of boomed in the eighties and the nineties and then it started to look back and and um, and process things as 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 a fashion influence. I mean, I think, I think the 90s in fashion, you know, people talk about the 70s being the, the definitive decade in movie, movie making. I think the 90s was such a definitive decade in, in the, the history of fashion. So that it, when, when it really became this gigantic umbrella for um, so, many different, uh, so many different creative endeavors that fashion embraced more, more things than any other medium did and do you think that uh, went I, I, hand in hand with like the yba movement the young british artist movement and Britpop yeah, and yeah, fashion at the same time definitely definitely um and everything that was happening in in music um like everything that was happening in music and movies i i i but i felt that fashion kind of was in a way bigger than 
all of them, that fashion took more from everything else to make these incredible hybrids um, and then actually fed them back into, you know, now art, now you can see how influenced by the art world, about, by the fashion world that art, the art world is. And I oh, think yes. that's really yes. a, you know, that's really a testament to the incredible power that fashion took on in over the course of the 90s um, with a, you know, that incredible cast of characters that everybody was so mesmerized by. Do you follow um, fashion photographers? Do you look Oh, God, to... yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. So who, who, yeah. who are your, like, who are your fashion photographer heroes and who now do you think is doing really exciting work? Uh, the, 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 the two people who have who actually made me look at magazines again with a kind of enthusiasm that I looked at them when I was a teenager. Uh, Jack Davison, the photographer, and Ib Kamara, the stylist. Um, Ib works with people like Paolo Reversi, more of the sort of old school people. He also works with Jack. And the, the way they look at things, I mean, Jack, I think Jack Davison is, is such a genius. Um, he really is. Uh, my, How old is the he? Best for, uh, he's young. I don't know how old he is. I think I get the feeling he's extremely young. But his photos have that incredible when you're looking at them, you feel that that charge that you that you've felt looking at at Moncaji or or Man Ray or um you know the people from one of the, the grannies and twenties. Oh he is he he will be, yeah. If if wow. the world gives him a chance, he will be one of the greats for sure. And Ib is a fantastic is just a fantastic stylist and with a with a an, a vision a, a really a, re, a really poetic vision. Um, I think that that they're, they're wonderful. Both of them are wonderful storytellers. And when but, when when did they both start to come through? Like when did you well, first discover I, them? Like I, recently? Yeah, a couple of years. I would say Amazing. the last couple of years. Um, I, I I don't think Jack ever. I don't I don't know him. I mean, I don't know him very well. I, I, don't, I don't. I've never actually met him. With We've talked on um, Instagram, but I I get the feeling that he never considered himself a fashion photographer. He maybe resists. He's not a fashion photographer, but he does a lot of work within fashion. And I get the feeling he's he an kind artist, of right? He's a- uh, I wonder what he'd call himself. I wonder mm. he'd be a good person to have on on talk art That's actually. Good, yeah. yeah, I'm just. I'm I like just the fact that you mentioned now. a stylist. Amazing. You, I like the fact yeah. you mentioned a stylist because it feels like are they the unsung heroes of the fashion yes. industry? I'm very, I'm very much about singing the singing the songs of the unsung heroes. I've always been in in all the time I've covered fashion, for, um, covered fashion shows. I've always made a point of talking about the hair, the hair, the makeup, the stylist, mm. the person who does the music. Um, you know, uh, um, that's one thing. When I when I when I've written about fashion, I've written about fashion shows most of the time, and mm. and I feel that that's if that's what a designer wants you to see of their work, then that's what I will write about. Because um, you know, people say, "Well, you'd go and do resees in a showroom," or what? And I know because I'm for me, uh, the show is the thing. Um, which means we're in a very interesting spot right now with with the way the fashion world is going to change after COVID nineteen. What do you think? Well, what do you think is going to happen? You know, uh, being co- confronted with the excess of of things which this virus is making people do, um, the fashion world is excessive, and fashion shows are a particularly excessive expression of. Of fashion excess, they the, the the way they soak up resources, the way they involve so much travel that that suddenly seems kind of 
I don't know, seems outmoded. Um, mm. and, and yet the fashion, sh the fashion show is such an essential part of the fashion industry in, the, in terms of storytelling and, and content generation or whatever. I, I'm really, this is going to be a huge challenge to see how people reconcile uh, this change in sensibility with the way that things have always been done. Um, I think this is, I, I, I love fashion shows and I'd be very, very sad to see them disappear, but I do accept that there needs to be another, um, wow. needs so to be a rethink. These discussions, are, these discussions are obviously happening now amongst all your peers and... Yeah, like, yeah. And it's also and in the art world. historical. Yeah, totally, yes, in, the in the art, art world, world as well, totally. with art fairs and shipping and all an of these crazy now? things. Yeah, yeah, it's all just, I mean, there's big discussions going on right now on WhatsApp. We have a big group of gallerists all talking about it. And it's like, you know, do, how comfortable do we all feel about, you know, continuing to do what we're doing to the world? I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And also climate change and, and has also affected for the last, the conversation for the last kind of decade almost in a way, or at least five years in fashion as well, because people try yes. to use different materials. If you think of like uh, Rayburn, Christopher Rayburn, is that his name? Um, yes, yes. I always remember him using like, you know, old parachutes, parachutes and, stuff, and yeah. things like yes, that. And a lot of yes. the younger generation at that time were really starting to try and bring in different materials that were a bit more either sustainable or, and you know, so on. But um, Well, you know, sustainability, circularity, um, inclusivity, diversity. Uh, I mean, the, the, the fashion industry has been called to account on so many different fronts in the last couple yes. of years. But yes. it, 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 is, it is the second most wasteful industry in the world um it, it its impact on on the environment is has just been so you know so incalculable for so many years and also human rights issues and all these things uh, i i just now we're having to address them um i i don't see i mean i, I i've for, for, for a long for a long long time i've been saying that i could fashion becoming a dressmaker, a, a tailor, and a cobbler in your local community, you know, the way it used to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I could, and, and, you know, the, the, another word that's coming out more and more is localization and mm -hmm. in, in, in the industry that you actually, this is something that um, obviously people are going to be looking at a lot more after this, when this virus crisis um, passes, if it passes. The, the ways to sustain a business and, and, and localization is a way to sustain a business. You work with people locally. You are not traveling around the world to save 25 cents by having something made in Madagascar, you know. Um, yeah. You're actually, uh, but then you have to re-educate people that, that the price of something reflects its value and, it's, and you need mm -hmm. to re-educate re people about the whole idea of preciousness, I think, that... You don't buy something at, you know, a bathing suit for a pound. Remember that there was that story yeah, that he was selling away. bathing suits for a pound. I mean, Primark you, or something was it? Or Primark, somebody, you're going to wear that once and then you're not exactly going to cherish it and pass it on to your kids, are you? Um, and, and I think that, mm. that that is why, that, that's, a bit, that's an interesting debate in fashion. I would, I would like to see that change happen. It's something Karl Lagerfeld always used to say. He was a big proponent of, of buy less, buy better. And, mm. you know, the whole idea of haute couture is, is actually extremely sustainable because it's, a, it's, a, an, uh, it's an absolutely human craft which, which is based on, on the durability and sustainability of the product it makes. 
and you know you pass it you you pass it on you don't dispose of a couture it doesn't get chucked out you right, you right. keep it and and you have a relationship with the person who designed it and made it for you and i i can see all of that having a uh, hopefully having a long-term impact on the way fashion operates and actually, but i am an idealist know, Actually, I was thinking a lot about, um, I heard a conversation you had, I don't even know when it was, maybe it was six months ago or something, with uh, Kim Jones. And I remember listening to it, because you obviously do a podcast yourself with um, Business of Fashion, which is available on podcast platforms. And I remember traveling somewhere and listening to your interview with Kim, and him talking about, you know, how in a way, haute couture is sustainable. But also, what I love about Kim is the way that he has you know, worked with artists so directly to make such mm. incredible mm. Um, items of clothing, which are artworks in their own right. Yeah. Yes. And I think when, yes. when art and fashion meet like that, it's just such a powerful thing. Yes, um, yes. What, what, how, how do you feel about art and fashion like being linked and when, when is it right and when does it not work? Or I feel it's right when it's, um, when it's uh, authentic. I mean... Yeah. I feel it's right when there's a when you when you know that there's a relationship between the designer and the artist. Um mm. I think uh you know Raf Simmons when he when he worked with Sterling Ruby it it was Ruby yes. It was such a it was so real because they you could imagine that even if they didn't make anything to sell to other people that, that that's what they would love to be doing themselves anyway. Um right, and right. Kim and Kim is a perfect example of somebody who understands the notion of preciousness and and everything from the tiniest little thing he designs to the whatever the grand coat the grand coat or cape or whatever is just yes. filled with this idea of of craft and 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 ingenuity and and imagination and i think that this season was very interesting the one we, the one we just finished because there was there was quite a lot of collaborative stuff between designers and artists um you know, uh, Maria Grazia Curie at, at Dior with her her evolving feminist manifesto yes, in fashion. Yes, yes. She worked with Judy Chicago, um, mm-hmm. uh, and then this season she worked with. It was a collective, wasn't it? Yes, it was. You're right. You're right. Yes, good. Thank God you you've got a, a spry young mind because mine is um, a bit atrophied. She did that, and then there was uh, uh, then there was um, Alessandro Sartori at Zenia. I uh, had an installation made um, with a another female artist from. Um, it was a great season for women artists, but I do think that that's a um, conscious. You know, that is a conscious attempt to redress um, uh, a situation which which yeah definitely mm. there's someone that i keep noticing is um grace wells bonner as well yes. because I, I think the way that she kind of involves and brings together like the worlds of like kind of literary worlds but also um very much art worlds you know like she she often will post things on her instagram to do with paintings by frank bowling or or by different artists i i, I really love the way that she creates some kind of connection between different creative spheres and worlds yeah, and I, th- I, you know, when when I talk about Ib Kamara, I would put him in that in her. I would I I, I think of all those people um, as being like a a new a kind of new wave of creative of young creative people in not yeah. just in fashion but just generally that that, that there's a sort of I think London has always done community in fashion extremely well, much better than any other city. That 
designers hangout with each other and help each other and so on. And I think that I feel that that that's kind of that kind of that spreading again now, but reaching out into other areas so that you get writers as what involved as well. You have um, and then Grace and 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 Craig Green and and all these people who yeah we love um, Craig. I also really like Nicholas Daly. I, I wear yes, a lot of his yeah. his clothes, and I think he yes. as well will bring in like musical influences in you know, and and also like um, subculture kind of styles from from music that then you know from the past that will then influence you know the way that he's what he's doing now. But again, with art as well, I think he's brilliant. I think that's a, I think that's a, that is a wonderful thing about about British um, culture, like we'll use culture, whatever you want to call it. But but you know the whole notion of the cults that. That have driven pop culture in in the UK. Um, it, it, everybody seems so much more open minded, and yeah. I, and, I, and and they don't they don't seem so driven by the demon dollar. You know, when you're talking to people and uh, young designers in uh, in other cities, the, the the notion of what of what constitutes success is slightly different from mm-hmm. from what you hear when you're talking to designers at St Martin's or wherever that. That, and you know maybe the only other place I ever really came across that was Antwerp, where it it, it was just oh, the I joy of making yeah. things, and, mm. yeah. and 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 it wasn't so much about oh we're going to be a billion dollar business by the end of next year, you know that's and actually that's that's still the case in Antwerp now with the art scene because there's yes, so many yeah. young um, and also older artists and they're all totally connected in Antwerp in a way that I never really see anywhere else. Like mm. it's a very unique mm. um, place to be. But that's where Dries van Noten's from, isn't it? And and yes, Moolister yes. and. Yes, Raph Simmons yes. is from there, is he? And... Raph Simmons, uh, Walter Van Berendonk, um, and you know the, 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 a couple of um, Arne and Philippe Van der Voorst, who are uh, wonderful designers from Antwerp. They did something really striking this season, where they just closed their business and they said goodbye, and they had a they had a uh, they had they they sold their archives to museums and and private collectors and so on. But they had a very conscious closing event saying goodbye wow. to the, the the years in fashion and i thought it was so elegant and so and so um smart that they control their own story they didn't just fade away you know somebody in three years saying what happened to those two from antwerp right, you know right, right. they actually said this wonderful complete goodbye and that seems to me like a very antwerp thing because you know Anne de did it and Martin Magella did it that Yes. They they left. They said, "This is us leaving." You know, goodbye. And and I, I you know, I, I have a horrible feeling we might be seeing a lot more people doing that in the next little while because I think fashion is so stressed by um, it's going to be so stressed by the situation that we're in right now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. So, somebody who I, I really love, who I think somehow has managed to sort of function on the the kind of outside of the art world while still being incredibly influential in the art world was a later Antwerp um, designer, uh, Bernard Wilhelm, because I think he's someone who brings in so many like art references, you yes. know, even to the point where he'll have like a painting actually on one of his, you know, yes. sweatshirts or something. But I love his, his, um, his actual like shoots, you know, when, when you have the collection shot as a photography set of photographs, the way he'll do like 60 photographs or something and they mm. become this amazing kind of artistic story. I think he's brilliant. on a porn star. I think exactly, that he is, uh, exactly. It's so genius. <laughs> he is fashion's great dadaist. I think. Oh, he's uh, just the best. Yeah, yeah. He's so funny. He makes me so nervous. Really? Does he? He does make me nervous because I think he, I think he delights in making me nervous. So, um, yeah, uh, which yeah, I, yeah. which I like. I like somebody it's who's unsettling, to that. isn't it? Yes. yes, I love that. I love. He came unsettled. to stay at my house in in Margate when I first moved here, and it was like still a bit of a building site. And I don't think he was quite prepared for the amount of dust that was going to be around. It was actually really, <laughs> really funny. But we had the most wonderful time. And the thing that I took from him was, I think he gets a lot of his inspiration from nature and flowers. And he seems to have he tends like a rose garden in, in his place in Paris. And he's super into nature it really struck me spending sort of proper time with him how, mm, wow how, how that was like a big source of what he looks at and i think yeah. he shares that with um andreas as well you know vivian westwood's um husband yes and yeah partner but um they seem to have this kind of love of nature which Affinity, i don't think a lot yeah. of younger people necessarily always think about either they're gonna and now cool. we are now god yes we all just want yes. to be outside in nature suddenly um there was there's a funny there was actually a funny thing come up that the whole year they're trying to get people outside to exercise and everyone's like no thanks and suddenly it's like they said you can't go outside and everyone's suddenly doing like the duke of edinburgh award trying to get outside as much as possible what did joan but what did joni say you don't know what you've got till it's gone you know yeah, um, yeah. yeah. don't it always seem to go yeah so mm. as a fashion journalist do you find it um, like when you look at other things in life, for art, for example, do you look at that with a journalistic eye now that you kind of take it on or you're able to look at it objectively? Oh, my God. I No, I look at art in a, in, in a completely visceral way. Um, I don't... I, 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 it's that old thing. I know what I like. You know, I, I know what I respond mm. to. Um, I know what gives me a... a you know, like a surge, like, like when I'm, when I'm listening to music, listening to music, when I heard, you know, have you, have you heard the blank mass soundtrack for no. Calm with Horses? No. Nope. You know, the new movie Calm with Horses, that's just the indie, the British indie movie that's just about to come out. And I noticed no. there was a bubble of press and then this, everything got closed down, but this, this guy called blank mass did the soundtrack. And when, you know when you, you hear, and the soundtrack of Atlantics, um, that, that Senegalese movie is incredible too. And it's when you, uh, Fatima Al-Qadiri, that's the name of that woman. When you hear a piece of music and you just respond to it completely irrationally, mm. you just like, wow, that's kind of like looking at pictures that, that uh, I, know, I know you mentioned Lisa Bryce recently on the podcast. Yes. And, that the little picture that she did for Voltaire yeah, for yeah, their yeah. We, yeah. Christmas shop was so, the minute you saw it, I was like, my God. And it just, my, the reaction is. Did you get one? Oh, so yes, did I we. Did. So we, we all I, share I, I an artwork. I had to be there when, 
<laughs> but they sold out three really, minutes really or something. And, and, yeah, you know, yeah. Well, she's just, incredibly popular. Yeah. Yeah. Who else but do you look a, at then, Tim? Who who gives you these jolts? Um, well, I know you're talking to Jordan Castile. Uh, the, that, yes. that exhibition she has at the New Museum at the moment. Those pictures are yes. uh, incredible. Um, I love Kevin Beasley's work. Um, uh-huh. the, the the conceptual, the the conceptual, the depth of what he does. I love it when somebody when it's really super super deep, but it's also immediately kind of beautiful yeah. you know that that yeah. I, I, it, that that's sort of that makes me feel it makes me feel good that oh well that's really beautiful i can like that but oh i also understand that there's something else going on behind it you know yeah, yeah, um yeah. that makes me feel smart it's and layered and nuanced like that. that's yeah what like. nuanced yeah. That's what is right. that's how do you know jordan castile's work um she's with the gallery in new york oh, called yeah. casey kaplan and he's my oldest oh. friend in new york and actually he has been when I think about it, I don't know if you do this, but you know you have a relationship with a gallerist and, and they kind of lead you through their, their evolution they, and, and you find yourself, you're learning about things as they learn about things and, and you're mm-hmm. buying things from them as they discover new artists. Um, mm-hmm. I've bought a lot of stuff from Casey over the years and um, I, um, obviously he's incredibly good with building his artist's careers and he... And and a guy like I who trundles in with my my piggy bank and wants to, to get something doesn't isn't I don't get the access to the the pieces that are going to institutions and you know fabulous private collections like Jordan but it, it is an education um, uh, for but that's for amazing me. that you're buying though and amazing that you're you're sticking with their roster who who have you bought then who are you buying and who have you bought and. Do you live with all your work? Yeah, yes, I do. I do. We we try to kind of rotate things on the wall. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure you have to do that as well because um, yep. uh, there's a lot. Um, I yep. haven't I haven't bought anything for a little. I bought a uh, oh my god, is that photographer Gregory um, Halpin? Crudson. No, Gregory oh. Halpin. No, I bought. I used to buy oh. Gregory Crudson pictures a long time ago. And uh, Gregory Halpin, who's a photographer that I really love, um, and uh, he's—I think he's quite old, but he—he's he, sort of a bit in the William Eggleston vein. Um, yes. But beautiful, beautiful work. And 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 if they are photographs of found things, there's always something so surreal about them that that they remind. I think they remind you that they're just a nice reminder that that truth is always stranger than fiction. Yeah. And. Um, I, I I love his. I actually am going back to photography more. I've got a feeling. Um, I've got a feeling you, you um, collected I've, photography I've from counter editions, even like over the years. Like maybe Jürgen Teller. Yes. I think, oh yes, I did. You've interviewed Jürgen before yes. as well. Yes. Well, I, I have Jürgen. I have. I, I have Jürgen Teller. So, you know, my when I first started buying, um, I left my job in Toronto, and and my leaving present was they asked me to, to pick oh. a photograph um, from a local gallery, Jane Corkin, which was incredibly generous. So. I picked a horse to photograph of Malena Dietrich and that was my going away gift wow, from Toronto in 1990. So wow. And then, then I'm, I had a friend in London who was very into buying photographs and because of him I started going to the photographer's gallery and then I started buying a lot of photographs um, from exhibitions there and Renika mm. Dijkstra and Jürgen, yes. Jürgen had an exhibition there and so I got a lot of really, really fabulous um, pictures um, 
then. Uh, and then I, then I sort of started, I kind of moved, you know, moved into paintings and floor yes. pieces and so on. Um, now I'm going back to photographs, I think. Uh, didn't, didn't you the, nearly buy a Cindy Sherman photograph for $50, but instead you bought a jacket oh God. I, I, I bought a Kanzai Yamamoto coat. I mean, is it, now, you, do you know, you know yes. General Idea? The, the, yes. the, yeah. Well, I, when I arrived in Toronto, when I arrived in Toronto, I've got, I found it. I never knew, I never remembered. I kept diaries I, I, because I just don't, I just never did. I didn't think I kept diaries, but I found I did keep a diary when I, when I first went to Toronto and general idea were almost the first people that I met. I went to a Halloween concert at a gig at a, at a place called the Horseshoe Tavern to see a band from LA called the Screamers who were the most amazing unrecorded band in the history of music. They were a punk band who only played synthesizers and this was in 1978. And so it was like, it was like craft work on sulfate. They were, they were just mm. magnificent. And um, anyway, I met General Idea that night and, um, so, tell our listeners who General Idea were. Oh, uh, General oh. Idea were three, were, were three guys from Toronto who created an entire universe of, of for their work to exist in. Um, very detailed, um, very detailed. They did a magazine called File, which was an obvious kind of piss take on life. Um, same format. Uh, and they, they were very, it was, it was very, the work was very ironic, very, um, kind of satirical but extremely beautiful they made the the thing that the objects they made as a comment on consumer society or whatever were extremely beautiful and um two of them died jorge and felix died and a.a bronson as the survivor of the trio um has kind of expanded on their universe um he mm. had a show with um maureen yes. paley um mm -hmm. last last year the year before and a big show in Paris and um, their work at the time, because their work was about, it was a lot about surface, but then, you know, as time rolls on, it suddenly is so deep and haunting and, and sad. And, Political, and a bit, yeah. yeah. A lot like about AIDS, wasn't it? They'd had a, yes. one of the most well, that, that eventually, was the AIDS. Yeah, because two of them did yeah. die of AIDS. So that, that, that eventually mm. became like a huge thing in their work where they, you know, they repurposed the love as an AIDS, as a AIDS um, yes. graphic, and um, yeah, it's. I find the work really re the, the 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 work really resonates. I've actually found more it's more. really interesting um, how um, because A. A. Bronson is still a very active artist, he's very active on the internet, and I, I I love the fact that General Idea have like an Instagram account that you can follow, and it's kind of like interacting with their work in a completely mm. different way because it's less physical, obviously, but you're still getting mm. messages from them and kind of like visual inspiration. I I, I love following following that account. Mm. Um, how did you I, come I, to uh, Cindy Sherman? Oh yes, oh my, that was my Cindy Sherman story, wasn't it? Okay, so God, I'm <laughs> such, so windy. I love it. I'm wind. loving no, all no, these no, 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 times. No, I was in New York. <laughs> I am the most tangential <laughs> individual that you will ever meet. I was in New York with, with General Idea, um, and we were going to see a band called Rough Trade, who had uh, they'd done the record cover for Rough Trade. This is one of those weird situations. Rough Trade were a big deal mm. in Canada, and they were playing a dance interior in New York, and their support band was mm. R.E.M. 
um, which was Whoa. just you know one of those one of those funny twists. REM just arrived from Athens, Georgia. Anyway, we I, I guess somehow along the line, somewhere along the way, we they knew Cindy Sherman, and we ended up looking at Cindy Sherman's at pictures, um, and they were really fabulous. Those film stills, when those untitled film stills, looking at them as, and they look they look like film stills, and I loved them, but I. And I, I'm, I could swear, although this seems almost this seems apocryphal, but I could swear that they were fifty dollars. And instead of instead of buying them, I went to um, the Kansai boutique and I bought a a, a, a bumblebee yellow corduroy coat. Um, and I remember vividly my credit card was refused while I was trying to buy it. And Sylvia Miles, remember the actress Sylvia Miles? She was in yes. Heat. She was in Warhol's oh, Heat. Yes, she was the, yes, old, yes, yes. the older woman in Warhol's Heat. Yeah, really brassy, yeah, blonde, yeah. mouthy. She was behind me in the queue and she kicked off that my credit card had been, had been refused. It was a sign. I should have gone back and bought this. In the <laughs> it was the art gods telling um, you not to do it. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever met her? Have you ever told her that story? No, I haven't. I've, I mean, I've oh. stood next to her in a sort of tongue-tied um, oh. kind of awe, but no, I've never, I've never yeah. told her that story. You must have met a lot of artists, though, and a lot of photographers. Yeah, of yours. yeah. Did I met you? Warhol. I <gasps> met Warhol. So what? Yeah, how? He was, he was what, lovely. What happened there? Oh, he's very talky. I liked him a lot. Um, he was very. Where chatty. did you meet him? Yeah, I met him in Toronto. Um, he when he came up with his book Exposures, and. Um, he was very nice. I had friends in New York who were young, you know, younger, young people in New York who were, he, he sort of took under his wing and everybody, everybody said he was just not what you'd ever read about or heard about. You know, he wasn't, he, mm. he, he was that person as a persona, but there was a lot more to him. And I found him quite charming. And uh, again, it was hard to speak that I was standing in front of Andy Warhol, but yeah. Um, um, there's yeah. something I really wanted to chat to you about quickly, which was, um, I always remember I went to a Dior, um, one of their fashion shows and it was in Blenheim Palace or somewhere and it was all very fancy, insane kind of day. And um, we came back to London and in the mm. evening, there was an illustrator who was doing live drawings. His name's Klim um, Evenden. And what about illustration in art? If you think of like Howard Tangi and like Julie Verhoeven and and those kind of illustrators who who end up working with fashion, but they're also artists. Like, are they? Is that something that you think about a lot? Like when it comes to fashion, I I, I think illustration. Um, given that the history of fashion is a lot of it is told by incredible yeah. illustrators, that it it it, um, it seems like something that that went mm. fallow. Um, a little bit, but the art of illustration. Uh, you know, you wonder now if people aren't going to be traveling across the world to do fashion shoots, taking 12, 12 models or whatever and bags of clothes to some far off land for a couple of days. You, you could almost imagine that maybe illustration would be something that people would explore. Because if, if you look back to t a time when magazines like um, Anna Piaget's yes. Vanity were going in Italy, or, or even GQ, in the American GQ in the 70s, the way they used people like Antonio Lopez as illustrators, um, and, and then Rene Gruau, and um, the, the incredible, I mean, the, the guy who did all of Dior's illustrations in the, mm. in the 30s and the 40s, and Erte, and, and you know, famous people, and then right up to now, somebody like Julie doing her work, Mats mm. Gustafsson, um, who 
illustrates for Dior now, but also, I mean, I think Mats Gustafsson is a magnificent artist. I, his watercolors are the most beautiful things, just about the most beautiful right, things right. I've ever seen. And um, yeah, I, I think it's a, I don't think it's an unsung part of fashion, the, the, the role of illustration, but I think it's an under, underused thing now. Um, you know, there is the Fashion Illustration Gallery in London that, that is a permanent reminder of how much work mm. is being done in fashion illustration. Where is that? Where is that? Um, I, I think it was on Cork Street for a while. I don't know where it is now. I really should back up my endorsements with a little more. Solid <laughs> it's all right. We can we can uh, post it to our to our Instagram. We were just we chatting the other day up. to um to Rufus <gasps> Wainwright, and he's just made illustrations of his own that he's made into a music video. So I do feel like there's this new sense of ways of doing things. You know, not only yeah. for lower budgets with you know with just as much impact, but I think going back to the hand as well. And and I w- I was thinking a lot about um, yes, Yves Saint yes. Laurent's. Uh, drawings, you know, all those kind of not just the erotic ones, but yes. just him yes, generally yes, yes. as a, as a draftsman and a drawer. He was amazing. Yeah. Yes, I was yes. thinking of that as well. Yeah, what for you makes uh, work successful? What what fundamentally do you do you look for, and for you, you think that's that's hit all the buttons? I I. Uh... Uh, when I'm looking, I'm, I like figurative. I like figurative work. I'm I'm not um, like abstracts and um, conceptual stuff. Um, if 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 I don't know the artist, I mean, uh, somebody like Trisha Donnelly. She's such an amazing woman that that knowing her, I would invest a lot of time in trying to understand what it is she's trying to tell me with her art. But um, generally, if if like, look, Jordan is a very good example. You want to know the people in the pictures. You want to know the story. You want, and then you want to know the storyteller. Um, and that's that's how I relate to things. When I, I when something is 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 visually loaded, then I'm I'm the same with the same with fashion. When I see things which are telling me an incredible story, even if it's completely not what the designer had in mind, which happens an awful lot with me. Um, I, uh, I'm very taken by, by that, you know, I, I'm, I guess I'm quite old fashioned in that respect. So we ask every guest that comes on two very important questions. Uh, but we've also added in a Brucey bonus third question because we're all in lockdown. But the first question we ask is if you could do an art heist, if you could have any work of art in the world to yourself, uh, what would it be and why? It would be, uh, the Gerhard Richter, um, Baden Meinhof wow, work. Really? because um, I would want to, I love getting up really close to his things and looking at how he does stuff because the surface of them is just a complete, and utter, um, it's mesmerizing, but also the, that combination of, of outrage and, and distance and um, East German kind of, um, didacticism or whatever and then just the sheer physical beauty of that work um i would want to be surrounded what what exactly is it you know that the black that that where he used where he repurposes photographic images and Mm -hmm. um and does them sometimes they're hyper real they look like photographs but these are a slightly abstracted abstracted news photographs of of the Bader-Meinhof gang, the prison cells that they allegedly committed suicide in. Um, uh, you know, it's the, the whole story. And 
Who are the who are the Bader Meinhof gang? The Bader Meinhof gang were um, were I suppose urban, they were urban terrorists. Um, you had the Red Brigades in Italy. You had Bader Meinhof in in um, Germany, and you know, I, uh, driven by uh, um, fired up by the Vietnam War and American imperialism, and um, you know, in in the in the not like the Black Panthers, but but at that at the, at the same time as the Black Panthers, when there was that there was that um, you know a surge of activism around the world of people yeah. taking violent um, taking taking up violence as a response protests, to yeah yeah protest yeah when protests became became quite toxic aggressive um, yeah and they weren't the Bader Meinhof gang gang which is what what, what kind of appealed to me with my slightly you know i was uh, drawn to it because drawn to the story because um andreas bada was um a kind of petty criminal charismatic petty criminal and ulrika meinhof was a was a university lecturer an intellectual um you know she was the philosophy and he was basically the muscle i suppose but the, the the story of the sheep her falling under his spell and and the whole the the tragedy of 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 that story and and in every way the whole the sort of you know the misguided idealism the the way it the way it this went so hideously wrong the way it was manipulated by the state everything about that yeah. story is 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 you know, nobody comes out of it looking <laughs> good, but but that's all that's all in the Richter work. You know, that's the, the it's so oppressive, but it's so oh weird and kind of not not I wouldn't say erotic, but it has this it has that sort of doominess of 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 death cults, which appeals I, um, to me. I actually have a, a, a work in Amazing. the house here by Rebecca Warren, the sculptor, and she makes these collages out of um, found. Uh, objects either from the streets around her studio or even like dust from the studio floor things like that and I've got a portrait of Ulrika I think it's Ulrika or at least one of the Bader Meinhof gang um, that's sort of abstract portrait um, so it's, it's actually a topic that's inspired quite a few artists what yeah, the MDF yeah. one you have a home. The title of it is the name. I think it's Ulrika oh, I can't okay. remember right now but it's the title is the name of one of the women anyway in the group um, yeah that they actually they were they called themselves R, R, yes, RAF, right. didn't they? Red, Red Army, Army Faction. Faction. Exactly, yes. Rota, yeah, yeah. And then there was the Red Brigades in 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 um, Italy. That you know, obviously they were motivated by Marxist. I wish or, or Meinhof and and the you know it was that weird split between the philosophers and the mm. action men in in the the gang and that permanently at each other's um, throats, I guess. But So the other question we ask yeah. every guest is very simple. What is your favourite colour? Orange. Orange. <laughs> That's, That's Rob's. Mine. That's hilarious. Hermes really? Orange. Um, I love Orange. Hermes Orange. Good. The I boxes, the bags. The boxes. Yeah. I, no, but that, that, that is my favourite orange. It is my... Actually, it's interesting talking to you on... This thing, whatever this thing is called, what is this thing called? Lin, Lin, what's it? Lin, Linphone. That I'm talking to you on. Yeah, they're, they're the bands on their the Linphone, the banding on their on their um 
site is Hermes Orange, I just noticed. And their little record button <laughs> is Hermes Orange. Um, no, I love orange. You, you know, you said at the beginning that I wear, I wear colors. I love color. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I have always loved, loved color. Um, mm-hmm. And um, orange is my definitely Whenever my I wear orange, color. I always feel so invigorated. Have you got the boxes in the house? Alive. Yes. I remember I saw a, f- a photo in somebody's interior, ma- in an, an interior magazine of somebody's flat, and they had hundreds oh of God. these boxes stacked up. It was like a studio flat, and they just had the, the boxes were their decoration of their apartment. And I just thought, wow, one day. And um, it never <laughs> happened. But <laughs> so the last question we're asking everyone during lockdown is, what is your hidden lockdown talent? What have you discovered while you've been in quarantine that you might not have known you could do before? Sing. Sing. Really? Go on. Yeah. Why? Have you been yeah. singing to yourself? And, you know, you know those, you know those funny little stickers that you, those little on, um, on the iPhone, those little, you get the dinosaur and the robot and the, and the alien and the, you know, there's a lot of emojis, but yeah, yeah emojis, yeah. emojis, and you can make them sing. So I've been yeah. making singing <laughs> emojis. Really? Um, what, do, what, what, what are you singing? <laughs> can we have one for the site? We want, what, yeah, what are you singing into them? I said, I had the shark I had singing Smells Like Teen Spirit, which is my favorite one. <laughs> Um, it makes sense. I had yeah. the giraffe saying, can't get you out of my head. Um, the dinosaur saying, candy says, by the Velvet Underground. Um, yeah, that, Can we have fun. a sample of your singing now? Would you sing us something for Talk Up? <laughs> uh, candy says, I've come to hate my body and all that it requires in this world. Wow. Yes, you want more? That was beautiful. That was nice. Yes. Candy Always. says, I want to know completely what others so discreetly talk about. I'm going to watch the bluebirds fly over my shoulder. I'm going to watch them pass me by. Maybe when I'm older, What do you think I'd see if I could walk away from me? And that's about as high as I can go. I want want you to put a record out. So who's that by? What is it? That is Candy Set. That is Candy Set. Tim Blank sings the great. And it's about Candy Darling. That is an album for Christmas, (laughs) seriously. That's the album we all want. Candy says by the velvet. Um, that is a, I'm, I'm listening to that as soon as we get off of this phone. I've also, I've also got... Oh, um, my God. What an exclusive. I've also blanks. got Mark Jacobs in my head now because of the whole grunge collection he did years and years and years ago, which I always loved. And then oh, yeah. I think it was quite... Uh, sort of People weren't that happy about it at the time, were they? Yeah. Well, he lost yeah. his job over that. Yeah, that was amazing. That was... Uh, you know, when, when Why? Fashion, Why did he lose his job? Because uh, it was, he did that collection for Perry Ellis, and it wasn't exactly what Perry Ellis was expecting to, um, uh, you know, it was just, it was just, it wasn't ahead of its time. It was just so of its time, and, um, but its time wasn't Perry Ellis's time. So, uh, you know, I love it. I love it when, I love those moments when fashion and, and the zeitgeist collide mm. so completely. That, that's that's so thrilling when that happens. Yeah, and it's such a rare thing, isn't it? And when it does happen, Amazing. it's yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's it is. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. thank you so much, Tim. It's been such a joy. Amazing. Well, have you got one example of that before we say that? Have you have you got an example when that? Ha- yeah, that has well, well, for well you? a recent and a recent example. Um, I think Craig Green's collections managed to do that just about every single time. He just he just really he, there's he, it's it, he doesn't do it deliberately. It's just obviously it's the genius is instinctive, but he just there's this one idea that's isolated, like um, like. A few, a few. Uh, well, the collection that made everybody cry, yeah. the models were barefoot, and it was like, I, I, I thought it was like the children's crusade, and it was just so beautiful, and it was so in a moment where the world felt lost, and well, a previous moment when the world felt lost, and and um, every and everybody felt slightly adrift in fashion, and he just brought it right back down to earth with these this collection that looked like, you know, angels leading us into a brighter future. And um, that, he does he does that um, extremely well. Yeah, I love Craig. I'm a big fan of his. Wow. Well, thank you, Tim. Thank you. Wonderful to spend this what hour amazing with you. Thank chat. you. Thank you so really much like, for That was yeah, such me fun. I feel incredibly positive <laughs> Good now from that, which is exactly what we need let's yeah. do it in person at some yeah, let's do it in that. person at some point of though. course let's, let's go once yeah. we're out of this let's all and go we can have a nice big hug that would well. be wonderful and, and, shoot, I, and we, shoot, we, yeah. we, we can outprint yeah, each yeah, other absolutely. with our prints i'm currently wearing i'm currently wearing yes. something in honor of you because uh you were the person that i first ever saw the banana print um prada shirt Prada banana. And I remember seeing a picture yes. of you in some like thing in about 2011 or something, but you walking on the street or something wearing this shirt. And I was just like, that is the shirt <laughs> for me because A, it echoed kind of Warhol, uh, but it also reminded me of like the dandy Warhols, the the band that I was into in my teenage years when they used to like refer- reference that image of yes. like, the banana and um, and also loads of other things. But but I eventually got the shirt myself. I think mine has flames on it, but um, I'm currently wearing it in honor of you, which you'll see on Instagram. <laughs> Fabulous. Now, have oh, you ever well, get to, do you ever get I've to never New been. Zealand? I would love to go. I've been there. I went and did the History Boys there like 15 oh, years ago. Okay, when you go there. back, when you if you go there, in Auckland yeah. there is a shop called Strangely Normal. Love that. And really? you will go crazy. If you like print shirts, you will go Strangely crazy. Strangely Normal? Yeah. What a brilliant, yeah. that sounds like a new wrong. podcast. Strangely Normal. <laughs> 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 well, for all images we've been talking about on this today's episode, please go to our Instagram page at Toolcar. And Tim, you're on Instagram, aren't you? Uh, yes, I am. Yeah. What's your Instagram handle? Tim Blanks. Simple. Tim go. Blanks. Well, thank you so Lovely. much, and we'll Lovely. be back very soon. And then, uh, Thanks for listening. Bye. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamant and Russell Tovey. Follow us on Instagram at TalkArt, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in this episode. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com